With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This is Spencer Boyd, driver of the number 76 Grunt Style Chevy Camaro. Listen to the Pit Stop with Tim Despain. Good evening from Duggan Nation. I'm Tim with Spain, alongside SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson, which is up right outside of Richmond in the Commonwealth, up there right outside of Richmond Raceway. And we're coming at you live, just uh, way the crow flies, approximately eight miles south of the 2.66-mile monster we call Taldo Super Speedway. And let's bring you on the official Reverend, the Reverend Joe Bubbico from out there in sunny Southern California. Reverend, how you doing, brother? All right, Tim. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How's the weather out there, man? It's close to 100 every day. Yeah, I've been seeing Miss Betty's post. I've been seeing her yeah, post been on Facebook. Some humidity, which we don't usually have. And that's one reason why you moved out there to get away from this humidity and rain, wasn't it? Yep. <laughs> it's all your fault. I think you sent it. Here. I know. Blame it on me. Everybody else does. What the heck? That's our job, isn't it? That's right. That's right. The the radio host gets blamed for everything, like some of that uh, social media flack I caught this past weekend for the Yellow Lion Rule uh, down there at Daytona. I'm sure Stephen's going to bring that up. and uh, Got a lot to talk about. Remember, we got uh driver of the number 23 state chaos elite uh, Toyota for BK Racing this past weekend at Daytona. Mr. J.J. Yeti is going to stop in the pit stop with us uh, about 20 after the hour. And uh, got a lot of people that are supposed to be calling in. Uh, and I want to get J.J.'s take on J.J. was one of the cars, ever that actually, I think, Brett Whittingham, a writer from Stephen Wilson, com, put out there, he was one of only six cars that did not have any damage at uh, Lake yeah. this past weekend. Yeah, I believe that's correct, and- J.J., I've known J.J. for a long, long time. He used to race down the street here at the local dirt track. So make sure you tell him I said hello. And uh, keep on keeping on. He's doing a good job. Those local teams are tough. If you want to call back in, because I know you have stuff going on, too. If you want to call, if you want to call back in, I'll see if J.J. can take a couple of questions, because I know we're going to have a bunch of people. Not a problem. I may try to call back in. Let me see what's going on by then. It's been a long day. So Miss Betty had to go into the doctors this morning at like six o'clock in the morning for some tests and all that crazy stuff, you know. I know it. This 
it's rough when we start getting old, ain't it, Reverend? No kidding. <laughs> I think I passed old a long time ago. <laughs> well, I, I figured you I figured you was gonna crack on me and say, Tim, you ain't quite old yet, you're just older. Exactly. It's, 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 <laughs> old age is a privilege, but it's not easy. It's not for the for the uh, faith of heart. You got that, Reverend. Just like Suzanne always says, it's better than an alternative, though. Even we, even we know we're gonna be took care of. I don't want to be took care of right now. I want to stay around a little bit longer. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, um, I'm always ready to go to heaven, but Miss Betty said I had to stay till she, till she goes. So, not, I guess I'm stuck waiting. <laughs> yeah, you might as well just, just stick here and wait. Reverend Joe, uh, go ahead and get us started the evening of uh, prayer, if yes, you don't sir. mind. And uh, I want to throw out there uh, a gentleman that we call a preacher here at Tildeva Short Track suffered a uh, a slight stroke this morning. I think he had two. Oh boy! But from what I've heard, but what I've heard from uh, Rita, he's he's awake, doing well, and feels a lot better. So I just want to keep thoughts and prayers in with uh, Leon Phillips is his name. I've always called him preacher when I went out to Short Track. Just want to just wanted to. Throw that out there to some of our listeners. Y'all keep the uh, uh, keep the friends and family of uh, Mr. Liam Phillips in your thoughts and prayers this evening. We will do that, and uh, let's start this. Let's get this circus started. Lord, thank you, up, Reverend. We come be- <laughs> we come before you, Lord, and thank you for all you do. We thank you for the past weekend's racing. That no one was badly injured, though they sure tore up a lot of time. It was a great race and a lot of fun, and we thank you for the races. We thank you for the local track races that were a lot of fun also, and luckily no one got hurt there either. We ask you to be with us in every way. Bless all we do. Keep after us. Keep us focused on you. I know every time I get out of up in another direction, you give me a good smack. So do that for all of us. Bless all the soldiers all over the world that fight to protect us. Bless our president. Help him to get done the things he wants to get done to keep our country strong and to get it back to where it belongs. It's so refreshing to hear a president that says we need to follow God. So we thank you, Lord, and we're going to be following you. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. And be with us all this week. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Reverend Joe. Great, great invocation as always. Let everybody know where you follow it on social media and your website, OnTrackWithJesus.org. Okay, OnTrackWithJesus.org. That's the website. OnTrackWithJesus at AOL.com is our email address. Our phone number is 951-232-7630. And Tim can tell you my uh, Facebook and Twitter uh, feeds because I don't know those things, but um, you can pick us up in the pit in the pit stop and get a hold of us there. So, all of you have a wonderful week. Be blessed and be careful, but have fun. Amen, Reverend Joe. Y'all too, and stay cool out there in sunny Southern California. Tim, it's Betty. We said hello, brother. Will do. God bless you guys. Take uh, care. God bless you too. You too, brother. As official reverend there of the pit stop, Kenny Spanish, Stephen Wilson. We've got we got Stephen right right here. Let's go ahead and bring Stephen on with one of my buttons. I don't get to bring him on with a button with a big button, but let's bring Stephen Wilson into the pit stop with Tim Despain and of course Stephen Wilson.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. degrees is hot but uh down this way it wasn't up 96 or 97 like it's been being i think the humidity were down some i mean it was still hot but you could tell it was a little bit cool it felt a little bit better you could actually be outside and you could sort of deal with it some uh did it did it cool off on y'all a little bit up there brother yeah um we uh we got down uh, i don't know 60s and 70s for about two days and then uh, one morning it was at 52 when i woke up here near the river so it cooled off for a couple of days and now it's starting to creep back up again summertime in the south brother you you know how it is uh to let everybody know steve the number call in is 215 383 I'm Tim with Spain Pit Stop Radio. Stephen Wilson, Coming up here shortly in about 10 minutes, we've got driver the number 23, Steakhouse Elite Toyota for BK Racing, Mr. J.J. Yaley coming on. Uh, I know we've got a lot to talk about there, too, Stephen, because uh, he was one of only a few cars that left Daytona without any damage. Everybody else. And I guess the reason we didn't get a – I'm throwing like a two-part question out there in one. I guess the reason we didn't get a uh, penalty report from NASCARs because uh, there wasn't nothing left for them to inspect, bro. Yeah, I was reading earlier today that uh, just between the two Daytona races this year, we've had 70 cars involved in some kind of incident or some kind of wreck out there, and about 300 cars in about the last seven to eight years or so when, you know, these races at Daytona. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of cars out there that came home damaged. Um, There were very few people, I think there was a... Uh, maybe six out of 40, maybe seven out of 40. Um, that was not involved in some kind of racing incident due to 400 miles Saturday night at Daytona. Um, you know, it, they, the craziness did ensue. Um, we saw it not just, you know, at the ending of the stage. Stephen, I think you dropped out. Can you hear me, brother? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, right, did, I, did I meet you again? Yeah, you might have did. Uh, it, right, sorry, I, I, I might have hit a button. You know how all this studio equipment stuff is. It's sometimes, sometimes a little, little tough for a redneck to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, you know these incidents that we've seen. We've seen a lot of these incidents here lately. At the end of these stages, and these stages have helped precipitate uh, some of these. Um, some of these incidents, as many of the drivers are trying to get up there and get as many points as they can for the playoffs later in the year, and it just really, um, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's there's an answer to this. I mean, a lot of fans like this style of racing, restricted plate racing. They like to see the incidents that occur during the race, 
the cars are safer than they've probably ever been, you know, in the history of NASCAR. So, you know, that kind of plays a uh, factor into these drivers probably taking some risks that they wouldn't normally take. Um, However, there's no easy answer to this, and there's no way to, you know, inevitably, no matter what happens, you know, at Daytona or your track there, um, there's going to be accidents, there's going to be multi-car pileups, um, but we've seen those accidents shift, um, you know, from the mid of the pack, you know, running two, three, four, five wide out there in mid-pack and then causing an incident to more people up front causing these wrecks because they're going for as many and as maximum amount of points as they can get throughout the stages um, in a race. That's right, Stephen. And to bring up a question, too, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking when they were at the 500 in February, they they didn't have this arrow package that they had for this July 4th weekend race here like they did here at Talladega Super Speedway. Like I had texted you some pictures, and you and I had had a spoke and a talk about it here at Talladega for for the spring race. They had the they had the rear end just about on the ground, but they got it out of the air, and that little spoiler that they come back with going to Daytona. That was the first time since they implemented since NASCAR implemented that package here for Dega versus the 500 in February. Am I right? Um, I don't. I don't think the car. The cars weren't pinned to the ground as much as they they were in the Daytona 500. Now I don't know the specifics on what packages they were using in each race or if they how how different they were. But these cars were still pinned pretty much to the to the uh, to the pavement. But you just didn't see it as much. I don't think in the Coke 400 uh, as you did in Daytona 500. Exactly. I think the teams, you know, with it being the first race of the year, which is their Super Bowl, you was there, you and your wife, AM, y'all were there. Y'all got to see everything. Pretty pretty awesome deal. But, Stephen, uh, I, uh, I didn't want to go here, but I bit on my soapbox. I called in Rowdy's show last night. They wanted me to call in and talk about the uh, yellow line room. And I've put some stuff on social media. I've got banged and beat around. I don't know why. But the rule is, as it states, Stephen, I've got it here. I'll go ahead and read it for some of our listeners that didn't see some of my social media posts as far as what Justin Haley did in the NASCAR Spinning Series race there Friday evening at at, uh, at Daytona International Speedway. He was coming out of four, and he went to make a pass. And when he before he made the pass, as some people say he made the pass before he went below the yellow line, I don't think he made it, and I've got a lot of flack about, well, he didn't go below the yellow line. I'm like, you know, look, the left front tire is below the double yellow line. But the rule, per the NASCAR uh, media book, Stephen, you got it. All of us media people have it. I want to read it out and try to clarify it. Now, well, I'm not. I want you to try to help me clarify this. There's really nothing to clarify about the rule. Like uh, Mike Bagley said this morning on uh, on Sirius XM NASCAR radio, the opening drive, that uh, – black and white he saw it and people are just i don't know what they're doing but he said they started bashing him on a twitter just like they did you and i i'm pretty sure they bashed you too but uh it's 10.8.3 out of the nascar rule book uh first section a vehicles must race above the double yellow lines around the entire racetrack if in nascar's judgment the vehicle vehicles goes beneath the double yellow lines to improve its position vehicle or vehicles will be black flag 
If in NASCAR's judgment, a vehicle forces another vehicle beneath the double yellow line in an effort to stop the advancement pass, the vehicle will be black flagged. And then this is here as NASCAR defines beneath the double yellow lines as follows. When the vehicle's left side tires are beneath the left line of the inside double line, which means out of bounds on the apron, that separates, well, there we go, separates the apron from the racing service while passing another vehicle. And Stephen, you you had uh, you put out on the social media, uh, Justin Haley, uh, when they black flagged him, they put him back. He was the first car a lap down. I think P eighteen was where he was scored. Correct? Yeah, he was scored in the last car on the lead lap in eighteenth place uh, per NASCAR scoring. That's right, and. Just to sort of help clarify, Stephen, uh, you know, like I said, me and you haven't really had a chance to talk. I've seen some of your social media stuff. You've probably seen mine. I got bashed. I know you got bashed. But it's it's in black and white. And he went below the double yellow line to advance his position. He was not passed. He was not in the lead when he went below the yellow line. Correct? Right. Um, you know, just that Haley had plenty of room out there. Um, I'm sure we can it can be debated both ways on to you know, the drivers see one thing, media see something else, NASCAR officials have the ultimate judgment into this. Uh fans at home, you know, obviously reacted pretty strongly to this. Um, I think the the most common thing I said I saw was uh, you know, B S and it was a BS call. Um, drivers, you know, reacted in the same way, having NASCAR and some of the media, um, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty, you know, black and white in, in the rule book. And, you know, I posted and several other people posted and it was debated into the fact that when he dipped below Sadler to make that pass for the lead, he had about a lane, lane and a half of space. So, I mean, honestly, he didn't need to go any further down below that line. There wasn't, that's a, you know, whether it's a rookie mistake on him because, uh, you know, he's not raced that many events on these restricted play tracks, um, both in trucks and the Xfinity Series, whether it's on the spot or whether it's on the crew chief, um, you know, I, I don't know. Honestly, it, it's just something that they're going to have to chalk up to a rookie mistake um, and move on from it. And, I mean, that that's the only thing you can do at this point. Uh, the win was already taken away. He was given the call Larson, and uh, he he was officially named as winner for this. But you know, it it it's pretty much plain and clear as I stated to somebody else who tried to argue the point was the very first line in the rule book or in this rule specifically states that the car must stay above the double yellow line all the way around the racetrack um, for a couple the entire lap around the racetrack and he, he did not um, whether he went two inches off the yellow line where he went two inches below the yellow line um, it doesn't really matter um, they 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 see it the same way um, you know Regan Smith had this same problem years ago right there at your track in Talladega others have had this problem with going below the double yellow line um, he's not the first he won't be the last these are judgment calls in a lot of, you know, in a lot of ways. 
but you know NASCAR has many more camera angles than what we what we may see at home. They use the TV cameras, but they have their own setups at the same time, and they can see a lot of these things going on in real time. Um, so you know these judgment calls can be made pretty pretty quickly and you know now more accurately than probably ever before. So you know the win was taken away at this point. Team just needs to move on. Just Haley will learn from this. Everybody on the team will learn from this, and they'll be stronger because of it. And they 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 won't be the last ones so that this ever happened to. So you know they don't have to sit and you know worry about that too much. That's right, Stephen. And to add to your to, to your point, you know uh, NASCAR implemented this this double line here at my home track, Toto Super Speedway and at Daytona International for a safety reason because drivers would go down there. And it's just like a double lane line on your regular highway years, the way I sort of look at it. You know, if the state trooper sees you cross that double yellow line to pass, he's going to give you a ticket. And to also add to your point, Stephen, uh, Brad Keselowski a few years back here at, here at my home track when they had that double yellow line stuff, you know, uh, Carl Edwards tried to force him down when Brad got under when he was racing. Uh, who was he racing for? Was it Phoenix Racing? Stephen Phoenix. Uh, anyway, you know who I'm who I'm talking. Well, that's when Carl Edwards got up in the catch fence out here, also. So, and that was to add to your point. Some of the drivers, as far as Brad Keselowski, has mentioned this blocking stuff about, you know, he's tired of the bad blocking. Well, I mean, you know, that's a twofold question too, Steve. I don't know where to go as far as that to blocking is probably racing. Do I agree with it? Yes. Do I agree with it? No. But if the guy like Brad Keselowski did here, when he got his nose under, uh, under Carl, and when Carl got shot up in the catch fence, you know, tore the catch fence up, I think there was some young lady, she got hurt pretty bad, but I think, she made it and everything because Carl Edwards brought her back the next race and had her down there in the in the pits. But I mean, it, it was it was a big carnage, and my main concern is safety, Stephen. But I do like to see them race. Would I like to see them race on the whole racetrack? Yes, but there's this black and white rule from NASCAR that says, just like here in the state of Alabama, state trooper sees me pull out the pass on a double yellow line to advance my position to get around that guy where I can get to work quicker and I get a ticket, I'm guilty, brother. Yeah, I mean, that's just what it is. At the end of the day, um, they just need to move on. They'll move on. Um, and like I said, they're not going to be the last ones. That this is ever going to have to. Somewhere down the line, we're going to be talking about whoever the next person is that this happened to. So, you know, this is this will be long forgotten by the time they get to Kentucky this weekend. I'm, yes, I'm pretty sure, Stephen. And let our listeners know the uh, again the number calling is two one five three eight three thirty six eighty one. I'm Tim Spain, just south of the two point six six mile monster we call Talladega Super Speedway. Stephen Wilson, com, just right outside of Richmond Race there in the Commonwealth to Virginia, and we're waiting on uh, our next guest, Mr. JJ. Yaley will be coming on just to sort of talk a little bit about about JJ Stephen. You know, he made his he made his scene on racing back in 1997. You know, he runs the runs some USAC sprint cars, and I didn't know it till I started studying on him. He actually run a race in the Indianapolis 500. But uh, you know, JJ's been around. Not saying that as a bad thing, but he's he's been with Joe Gibbs, and he run he he runs full time X 
Xfinity Series, and has had some pretty good rides. He just had some bad luck, bro. Yeah, I mean, he's been all over the place in, in the last 10-plus years. I mean, I remember him running at Joe Gibbs Racing. I remember him running at, you know, others, you know, you know over the years. Um, he's a fairly decent race car driver out there that has a lot of talent and a lot of knowledge across the spectrums of, of you know, racing and the vehicles that he's getting into. With a lot of bad luck, like everybody else sometimes, where, um, you know, funding isn't always there. And you take the rides that you're given or take the rides that are offered to you sometimes in lieu of, um, you know, the better rides that you know, some of these drivers are bringing uh, either sponsorship or lots of money to. So, or the team already has something locked up for them. Um, you know, I do, I think you could do better in a lot of these uh, for, with, with another with another team. Sure, I think that he has opportunities out there. Um you know, just like everybody else, he has to prove himself again. Not that he really just proved himself, but, you know, he needs to prove himself to these sponsors out here that are looking at dollars week in and week out and looking for value of the race car drivers that they're that that, that they're sponsoring or, you know, partnering with on a given weekend. That's right. Exactly, Stephen. And uh you know, to talk about JJ, which I I, I want to wait till you know JJ comes on. That way we can give him a chance to uh, to uh, talk about everything. But Stephen, uh, do you have any breaking news? I know you and I get a lot of press releases. Dave, any anything breaking that you want to get out and let our listeners know? No, not really. I mean, we uh, uh, earlier today, NASCAR and uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway were putting together a little rubble test out there, and like. Uh, Fair few amount of cars out there got in into the walls. Uh, Bubba Wallace destroyed his car into his day out there for the test. Um, a lot of drivers, Keselowski, um, smoked his tires up a couple times and got beat up a little bit. Um, I, I I don't know. You know, earlier this week, Charlotte Motor Speedway said that this is going to be a 400-kilometer race, slightly longer than we run at either Sonoma or Watkins Glen. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, in my opinion, I don't know if that's the best policy to make this uh, the longest race. I know we already run NASCAR's longest night there at 600 miles, but to put the longest uh, road race of, you know, the season at, in the Roval in the first year. Um, I don't know if I'm exactly, you know, inclined to say that that was the right decision. I, I think that this year they could have started it off something smaller and, you know, see how this all worked out and then make adjustments for 2019. Um, that's just my personal feeling on it. Maybe they will uh, see that this is too long or causes too many problems and they'll adjust accordingly for 2019. But my my say, if I had a say, would have been to start this race off a little bit shorter, maybe a little bit shorter than, you know, they run at the Glen or they run in Sonoma. That's right, Stephen. I definitely agree. And I want to throw this question out there to you. Uh, this is just my personal opinion. You know, opinions are like, you know what, everybody's got one. Do you think NASCAR should have put this new Roval race into the into the chase, or do you think they should have tried this outside of that, Stephen? Do you think NASCAR made a move trying to bring in fans to something different as far as promoting that? Or do you think that they should have waited and maybe seen 
how this deal was going to turn out before they throwed it over into the chase? Um, I mean, they already made changes this year, but moving Indy will cut off and Richmond inside of the chase. And putting this inside of the chase itself, uh, traditionally, you know, they, they, they moved this up a couple of weeks and made some adjustments. But um, I don't know. Honestly, I think they could have. I, I, I think leaving it in the chase is, you know, a lot of people have said that the chase needs to be broken up some, and I I, I tend to agree with that, that um, we either need to go to new tracks, we need to be changing these tracks up, but, you know, again, logistics and everything else, um, you know, come into play of where they race and when they race. So um, putting it in will kind of um, bridge that gap on those that seem to want to um, see something new in the chase and it'll allow fans to experience something new in the chase and maybe it's a cha- it's a trend that we may see over the next couple of years, maybe in 2021 um, as the racetrack agreement is being um, you know uh, uh, renegotiated in 2019 uh, for its expiration in 2020 so don't know what this will lead into, maybe it'll lead into better things, uh, maybe a change in the chase somehow, or playoffs, uh, but it's always uh, it's always good to see at least NASCAR experimenting and the tracks experimenting. Um, I don't, again, I don't agree that, the ra- I agree, I don't agree that the race length is, uh, you know, suitable. I think it, uh, again, uh, I've made my opinions on that. Um, I think it could be shorter, but aside from that, I think just putting this event inside of the playoffs will uh, shake it up a lot um, and may shake it up into ways that we've not seen in the past because over the last couple of years we've gone to the same tracks a year and a year out and we know that Martin Truex Jr. is good on these you know mile and a half racetracks and, and then we know that Brad Keselowski is good at a place like Talladega and we know Jimmy Johnson is good at a place like Martinsville. So it's like you can kind of start predicting a lot of these things almost each year. Um, but, you know, by shaking it up, I think that you may see some of this, uh, these new blood rising to the crop out of the top five or top seven in the series. That's right. Stephen, while we're waiting on J.J. Yeah, I know last week he had an issue, too. He had a storm come through. He was cutting some trees off his fence and, he probably had something come up. You know how these NASCAR drivers are. He's probably tied up with something. Let's uh, let's try this new deal here. Let's see if we can call Ron Devine. I just sent him a text, let him know that I'm I'm on call. Let's see if we can call Ron Devine through the studio. Maybe get him to answer. Him. Maybe get his take on JJ Yeller. Let's let's try this. Everybody, hold on. Let's see what. I've been wanting to do this as a prank, Stephen, and call Walmart or something. This is Ron Devine. You reached my cell phone. Please leave me a message. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thank you. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hey, Ron Devine. This is Larry, the cable guy in Talladega, Alabama, uh, alias Tim Despain. Uh, I think you owe me $30. When you get a chance, can you give me a call back at 215-383-3681? Thanks, brother. We tried, Stephen. 
<laughs> you done found a new button inside the studio, huh? Yeah, that's right. We know me and you have talked about doing that, calling that, and I wish I, I wish I had somebody else we could call. I mean, this would, this would be better than talking about NASCAR, man. We just caught what was that? What was that comedian, Stephen? That used to call around and say, uh, "Oh, talk about that. You owe me money, and just how big a boy is you." And not, God, who, who was that comedian, Stephen? I listened to this list it, of uh, Dang. Oh, man. Uh, I know you, know you talked talking. about. Yeah, yeah. I, I, man, what was his name? Uh, gosh, I, have, I, I can't I remember right now. Uh, Roy D. Mercer. There you go. There you go. Yep. Yep. I see him. But, uh, Stephen, let's, uh, Let's take a little break, brother. Uh, let's, let's take a little break, get up, stretch, stretch around, and move around and everything. And uh, we'll come back shortly. I'm gonna play a little, play a little song here, and then we'll. Uh, Stephen and I are gonna get up and stretch. I know Suzanne wants to get up and stretch too. She's an airman in the phone. She does a great job every, every weekend. Uh, every weekend, every Tuesday. I want to thank Suzanne for doing that. But uh, Stephen, let's take a quick break, and we will be like back live in a few moments from uh, just south of Talladega Super Speedway. I'm Tim Spain, alongside SpeedwayDigest.com. Be back in a few.
Vincent Boyd, driver of the number 76 Grunt Style Chevy Camaro, and listen to the pit stop with Tim Despain. We're back live from Dega Nation. I'm Tim Despain, alongside SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. See, we're waiting on uh, waiting on a guest to call in. He must have had something come up, but uh, uh, we're going to try to give JJ a call here in just a few minutes. But uh, Stephen, uh, coming to Talladega, you know, uh, the fall race out of the out of the uh, elimination race here. Do you think that was a good thing, or do you think NASCAR should put? I mean, you know, it's just like throwing them out on the roval up there at Charlotte. Do you think NASCAR needs to go back and rethink this and maybe put Talladega as one of the one of the cutoff races? I mean, you know, it's it's tough to say because anything can happen here too, just like it can in Daytona. Um, well, I think a lot of these drivers they just kind of wanted it outside of that elimination and cut off to um, better position themselves. Um, it, it's kind of hard to agree or disagree on it. There's there's validity to both sides of that. Uh, you know, drivers um, well may may maybe not be taking as many risks but they're going to still take those risks to some degree. Um, but at the same time, does it lessen the intensity of the event? And in some cases, over the last couple of years, and through the multiple changes that we've had between the way that the playoff or chase is, is constructed, the way that the stages are now sitting on top of it, uh, it's been we've seen some of these events at some of these tracks that are in the middle where you know people um, they, they consider them almost like throwaway events and uh, the, the racing hasn't been as exciting or uh, competitive um, you know from a fan's point of view or from a TV perspective um, and some of these events have uh, kind of lost that prestige and um, you know, there's compounding things that go around this, but um, I don't think Ta- Talladega is, is somewhere that they're going to lose that prestige. They're going to be able to sell tickets and camping and sponsorship and all the things that come around that. Um, but, you know, there's two sides to the argument, and I can understand both sides of them, to be honest with you. Um I think we just have to see and have let the thing roll out this year and see see where we're at. Um, you know, a lot of you know a lot of what people are always talking about is um, you know we, we, they want to see changes, they want to see changes in the sport, want to see changes in the schedule. So the schedule is changing to some degree. I think these are testing the water for 2021, and I think people if they want to hang out and hold on until you know, the renegotiations, I mean, we'll know, um, you know, by March, April next year uh, what, what the schedule is going to look like in 2021. So, um, you know, we, we can, uh, you know, we don't have that much longer, eight, nine months to wait, and we may see some changes and maybe even 2020, you know, they, they make some more tweaks. And then in 2021, as they move towards either a new, contract or agreement or whatever they had or 
maybe they just abandon it totally and go with something totally different. And, you know, so a lot of these things are fluid. They're, they're fluctuating a lot of things. It's kind of a moving target as NASCAR is switching gears to a um, partnership type agreements instead of a, instead of somebody, um, you know, sponsoring the series as a whole. So, you know, there's a lot of changes coming up, and I think these are just to be able to test the waters. That's right, Steve. And I hate, I, I keep bringing up Sirius XM, XM NASCAR uh, Channel 90. I was listening to the morning drive this morning. I don't know if you listened to it. It was on up in the morning. I was at uh, work, and I had it playing on my on my computer there. And uh, uh, Bagley and Pistoni had uh, Todd Bodino. And Todd Bodino, they had got talking about tracks. So it's funny that, that you mentioned that and bring that up, talking about some of the back when the uh, – when NASCAR, and this is, you know, sort of quoting what, what Todd Bodine said, this is just his opinion, I'm just forcing it along, that NASCAR back in the day, they left uh, your favorite track, North Wilkesboro Speedway, my ex-boss man there, Mr. Annick Staley, and they left Rockingham and some more of the tracks to go out and build these mile-and-a-half tracks, like Jeff Burton calls cookie cutters, the cookie cutter tracks. They said, we can build these bigger tracks out in the 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 uh, some of this other demographic area and bring in bigger crowds. We can get more stands around them and bring bring them in there. And now, Stephen, the fans have sort of flip-flopped. They're wanting to go back to some of the grassroots stuff like you and I really like, like your Wilkesboro's, your Rockingham's. I mean, just to mention some, Bowman Gray back in the day was one of the big NASCAR events there. Do you think NASCAR might need to look – I mean, you know, you hate to take dates from tracks like you and I talk about all the time. You don't want to take a date from a from a track. But is there a way to work in maybe some of these smaller tracks, your grassroots tracks? I mean, even South Boston Speedway up there, right there beside you, Stephen, there's so much legacy and so much iconic memories at some of these tracks that all of a sudden now the fans are wanting to bring back. And – before they wanted to go to, well, I don't know if it's fans or NASCAR or what have you, but they went to the mile and a half track, like I said, to build bigger track. But they built too many. This is my opinion and my opinion only, listeners. I think they built too many mile and a half tracks. But just so sort of get your take on that, Steve. Oh, well, that's a loaded question, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I bet. I can. I can uh, stretch it off. The I, I, I mean, I can remember back in back years ago, back in the late nineties, early two thousands, when Richmond would have one hundred and seven hundred and eight thousand people sitting in the grandstands, and today the grandstands total no more than fifty two to fifty three thousand. Uh, Homestead Miami Speedway only has about forty forty five thousand. Darlington sixty thousand. Uh, what is Charlotte these days? 80, 85,000 down from like 150, 160. Uh, Texas Motor That's Speedway right. can maybe get, you know, 40, 45, 60,000 people show up to an event for a racetrack that has 200 and what, five, 210,000 permits. A lot of these tracks are contracting and they're they're moving as the market shifts um, in the late 80s. Uh, early 90s is 
NASCAR become more popular and through the early 2000s, track expand, tracks expanded, seating all over the place, everywhere from, um, you know, my track to uh, Northwest Forest Speedway went from about 37, 38,000 stands in late 88, 89 to 60,000 seats 10 years later when it closed down, and they were selling every seat there. But when they moved to other tracks, other tracks were obviously selling 100, 120,000 feet, so that was double the capacity of a track like there. Uh, Richmond was putting in, you know, 100, you know, 108,000 people. Um, how many? What did what did Bristol go? 40, 40 some odd races streaked. Um, sellouts, um, and that's 170 ish right. odd thousand people. You know, the market has contracted. The market, the money, the money has shifted within the market with entertainment dollars, especially in 2008-2009 as the economy turned itself down. It's turning itself back in some degree, but the race fans just aren't coming back like they did in the late 80s and late 90s. There are new set of fans that are either stuck with the sport or coming into the sport, and some of these may not be your, your long-term fans. Um, they may follow the sport to some degree. I mean, there's tracks out there that I think we could take a race away from. Um, you know, I'm sure people will tell me I'm biased by saying this, but I honestly can't see Texas having 60,000 people in the grandstand that seat 210,000 having two races a year. Um, at some point, this is going to come to a head that, you know, this this just is just a bad look. and other tracks have moved with the market and tore grandstands out and appropriated resources where they need to be. And Texas hasn't been one of those that have done it. Um, Las Vegas is shifting to the demand because they've got a lot of people that came to one race. Now they have a lot of people that want to go to two races there. So the market is always moving. Um, can I think of other tracks out there that probably don't need two races? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Pocono could probably um, – take away a race from them. Um, Michigan has gotten to the point that I think maybe they only need one race. Uh, and going back to some of these places is very hard. and It's a very hard and unique scenario in the fact that, yeah, Rockingham and North Wilkesboro today have 40,000 seats plus in each of their facilities as they sit rotting away. And in some cases, that's all you get to some of these cup events anymore. Um, but is it economically feasible to go back there with the series? No, the infrastructure isn't there. Um, the, the support, sure, may be there for a year or two, but is everything else that wanes away? Um, and you've got to continue to recapture those people coming back two, three, four, five, ten years into the future to stay sustainable. And while, you know, Rockingham and North Wilkesboro are very unique um, circumstances in the fact that, um, you know, Rockingham, I just saw pictures of about a week, a week and a half ago, and, you know, there's trees growing through the grandstand. Um, it's deteriorating, to be honest with you. And I'm not saying that North Wilkesboro Speedway isn't being isn't deteriorating either, because it is. Um, there's buildings there to this day that still need to be torn down and are falling down. Could it host a race tomorrow or next month or six months from now? No, and neither could Rockingham. Um, it would take significant amount of work. It would take some resources to put into these places to get them back to where they need to be. And even if somebody did, 
best case scenario, use case scenario for a place like that is the Camping World Truck Series. The Xfinity Series, maybe. And I'm kind of borderline on that as to whether an Xfinity Series event would be sustainable at one of those tracks today. Um, Modifieds, K&N, ARCA is definitely out because ARCA has not performed well in North Carolina over the last couple of years. I mean, Charlotte just brought them back for the Coke 600 weekend and what, 1,000, 1,500 people shit up to it. I mean, that's, you know, that's not sustainable in the long term. Um, same thing happened at Rockingham back in 2009 or 2010. They ran an ARCA series event. There was eight, 800 to 1,200 people sitting in the grandstands. There was probably 500 people in the garage working. So, you know, ARCA isn't something that could come back to these places. They just haven't performed traditionally very well in the North Carolina market. But the other thing is, is that these racetracks, as the years have gone on, I mean, you take a look at Daytona. Uh, I use Charlotte as a as a use case scenario. Um, you know, Charlotte, sure, they have large events there between the Bank of America, now 400, and the Coke 600 yearly, the all-star race, trucks, Xfinity, things like that. But they run over 100 motor, non-motorsports events per year. Um, everything from car shows to drive-in nights to um, you name it. They, they do it there. And for a track like Rockingham and North Wilkesboro to come back today, they would not survive totally on, on NASCAR. Uh, they would not totally survive and be sustainable for a camping World truck series event. And... And honesty, I think a lot of people would probably get, probably wouldn't agree with me for this, but that's why Rockingham failed. Rockingham didn't fail because people didn't show up. Rockingham failed because they failed to move with the market and take this 300-acre facility and become a multi-purpose facility. Same with the Wilkes-Barre Speedway. I'm gonna, I'm just going to say that right now. Um, between 2009 and 2011, when they re-ran races back there again, they failed to shift, shift with the market. Um, they hinged their entire existence on nostalgia and car racing. And in 2018, that doesn't work. Um, you have to do something else. Yeah. That's right, Steve. I'm trying to, I'm trying to multitask. You know, Tim's not good at that. I'm texting Ron Devine. Uh, uh, I'm, 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 I'm trying to take Tim. Yes, sir. Calling again. JJ didn't make it. I'm gonna up. But yeah, Stephen, just to talk a little bit about that too. Uh, and we're not gonna call any names because we had the owner of Rockingham on our show a few years ago. And like you said, he had the opportunity to make it what he what he could make it and why he didn't i don't know and to answer your question too about these uh these tracks that are that are taking uh seats out uh so then and i went to the photos of on a quick trip 500 again this february back over at atlanta motor speedway and ed clark and the bunch over there it was probably two days Stephen, that i was there and I look back toward uh, turn uh, turn four, and you know where all them grandstands was. 
they were gone. And I mean, it took me two days to realize that, I guess, because I was so focused on doing my job as a media person or either I just didn't really look that way to, to see that. But they took them stands out. And you remember back in the late 80s, early 90s, when you could see that there was a pine tree before they built them stands that was sitting behind turn turn three. I happened to catch a glimpse of that pine tree, and I told Suzanne, I said, look, young. She said, what? I said, I ain't seen that pine tree since in the 90s. I said, they had took them stands out. I got right there where I could see, and showing up, the uh, the stands was gone. But uh, something, uh, you know, again, just something to throw out there and talk about, Stephen. There's, like you said, the way the economy is, the economy's coming back great right now, but there's no easy fix to it, and we don't know what we're going to do, but we've got to get some of this younger generation in, in, into the sport, offer their cell phones, which I'm – I'm a bad culprit, too. I stay on my cell phone, too, as far as social media and texting and all that. But we got to get some excitement going. And I think, like you and I had talked about earlier, that deal with uh, Charlotte doing that with the Rover, they're trying to do something different, trying to get the fans back interested. And I don't know what what we can do to actually get it back to where it was. I don't know if it'll ever get back to where it was. That's just my Opinion, but let me see if I can call Ron Devine. Even uh, Ron, Ron sent me a text. Let me see if I can get him. Hold on, I'm gonna tell him I'm Roy D. Mercer. Hold on. Hey, Ron Devine, this is Roy D. Mercer, Tim Despain, and Tyler Duggar. You owe me $30. <laughs> hey, brother, what's going on, man? Nothing. Are you looking for J.J.? Well, we were we – were, J.J. must have had something come up, and I just come up with an idea. We got this We got this new deal here in, this, in, our, in our studio, Ron, where, where we can actually call somebody. And I told our, our listeners, I said, let's see if we can call Ron Devine. So I called you earlier. You probably heard the message that I had left. And I, I knew I knew that you weren't going to recognize the the, uh, the number. But just wanted to maybe, you know, you know get you in and talk about uh, how everything went down with J.J. Well, you know, like I said, we figured J.J. must have had something come up. But uh, thanks for allowing me to call you through our studio. That's pretty neat. I guess that's why we pay all that money in it, Steve. Well, I saw a number come in. I didn't recognize it as yours. That's why I didn't pick it up. Uh, I know you, you. You you probably thought it was Suzanne, didn't you? <laughs> I don't know. I just sent JJ a text. But go ahead. Tell me what you want to do. I actually am at a uh, an, an event, but uh, let me step out here. What's going on? What can I do for you? Oh, not much, Ron. I just want to talk a little bit about uh, how's how's everything going with BK Racing and all that deal, and uh, thanks again for letting us call. And uh, let us know, is J.J. going to be in the number 23 car this weekend at Kentucky? I believe so. Um, I don't know that they've announced all that, but I believe he is. Okay. Are, are, we, on the, are we on the air? Yes, sir. We are live. We're okay. Live from yeah. Just, uh, yeah, so I'm hey, probably but, not the one but, to tell you that. That's why I was hoping JJ would call, but I think they're working on it. I don't think it's finished yet, but I think they're working on it. Hopefully, he is. Okay, all right. 
Ron, I hated to bother you, but thanks for taking the call. And maybe JJ will call in here shortly. And I know you're at an, at an event. Stephen, can you answer one or two questions for Stephen? Yeah, go ahead. Go? go ahead. I'll give you a few minutes. I just sent him a text. Hopefully he'll he'll dial in. What, what you got? I was going to let you two go. I, I was going to be put on the spot here. Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. I'm going to let Tim take this one because he kind of put me on the spot here. That's okay. Fire away. I've been on the spot for about six months here, so it's, you can't possibly come up with anything I haven't had to face. All right, Rod, I, I want to ask you one short question, and you ain't got to answer me if you don't want to, and then I'll let you jump out of here and maybe J.J. will hop in. Uh, what happened with the deal with Greg Golden and Earthwater? Is it something that just got put on pause and you went with J.J. Yelly for the 23 car with the Steakhouse Elite, or is it is it something you might be looking for? Because I know J.J. raced for you some back in the day. Are you looking to maybe put him in that car full-time, or can you let us know what happened with the deal with Greg Golden? Yeah, so, again, I'm not the right one to probably, uh, you know, be telling you all that, but the uh, let me just – comment first off on Earthwater. The company's doing great. Um, they were back on the car, and I, I hope you see them back on the car. They've, they've gone on to their, their system, and they're just announcing their new product line that's coming, and they've been pretty focused on that. So, um, you know, I think you'll see more of that. I'm still very close to them, and we're still doing a lot of work together. And I think it, uh, you know, it's a great product, that, uh, that Blackwater with the 77 minerals in it. Is really good for your body. It hydrates you, and it, it's really a, a terrific product. In fact, they're they're uh, coming to Washington this weekend to uh, do the Miss Earth contest, which um, they're the sponsor. They're the title sponsor for that, and you know. But they're still uh, they're still playing with us in the sport, and and I think you'll see them back on a car at some point. As far as uh, the rest of the year goes, I think you'll see. Uh, you know, some, some driver opportunities and some change going on there with uh, different sponsorships and and uh, things along those lines. I think they're just trying a couple different things, that's all. It's nothing against Gray or, you know, he did a nice job for him. He kept the cars clean, and, uh, you know, we were able to build the fleet back up. So I thought they I thought they did real well. And so, you know, I don't have any hard feelings with him or anything along those lines. I just think that, you know, there's sponsor opportunities out there that have drivers attached to them. That's how J.J. comes along, and and we'll keep going like that and see how it goes. Amen. Did I lose you? Ron, thank you. Okay. No, sir. I got you. Thank you for taking time to step out. I'll... You know, like I okay. said, I put you on the spot. I put Steve on the spot. But thanks again, and thanks for everything that you do for Stephen and I and Suzanne and Anne Marie. And good luck this weekend in Kentucky. Get back in there and finish uh, eating, brother. We appreciate you. Okay, I appreciate it. Thanks. See ya. Bye bye. See you, Ron. Ron Devine there, uh, BK Racing. Uh, I don't know if you really call him the owner there, Stephen, but uh, he acts. I mean. That means a lot to me for him to step out of an event and come on and talk to you and I live on the live on the radio. That that really been a lot right there, brother. Yeah, sorry. Um, I guess uh, he put me on the spot there for a minute, and uh, I didn't know what to say. I kind of clammed up on you. Sorry about that. That's all right, brother. Like I said, I did. I just happened to think about trying trying to call him, which he, you know, like I said, he had uh, texted me that. Was that you that called? I said, yes, sir. 
He said, well, call back. And that's when I said, let me try calling back. And uh, just to let everybody know, uh, I did put him on the spot. I did put you on the spot, Stephen. I apologize for that. But uh, I did get some some sort of answers out of him about Grey Golden and Earthwater. Not really nothing concrete, just they agreed to part ways. And the way he talks, J.J. Yelly is going to be in the car this weekend uh, at Kentucky. With a Kentucky State 400 there, so that's you know that's a good deal for JJ because he's been around the sport a while. And just like Ron said, it he he texts JJ. JJ must have something going on, or either he's just slap give out tired. But uh, yeah, I mean, Ron's going through a hard time right now, brother. You know, he went through that deal with the state of North Carolina. He's he's had some real good drivers. He's actually had JJ Yelly drive for him back in the day when he first started, and when I first met him. He and I spoke. He had bought, uh, when Michael Walshett Racing were closing the doors, he bought a lot of their Toyotas. He bought a lot of their shop equipment is how Ron really got his real big boost there. And he had uh, Matt Benedetto and David Reagan uh, when I really got to know him. And then again, you know, he had J.J. Yeda there also. You know, J.J.'s a good driver. Like I said, he's been, he was with Joe Gibbs Racing. And Ron has always told me that, that, uh, that, him and JJ have all have always clicked, and uh, he's got a new crew chief, uh, Fur. Tony Tony Fur is crew chief for JJ Yaley now, and you know Ron's just down to the down to the one car, the number twenty three car, which he actually owns or did own the eighty three and ninety three also. So just to, you know, Bob, like I said, Bob Parker throwed out a tweet earlier. All this stuff still up in the air with Ron Devine and BK Racing, but Ron. Ron's hanging in there, and I actually did put him on the spot, and I'm glad he sort of answered some of them questions. I mean, you, you could tell the the man was eating still, and he got up and walked out. But uh, J.J. must not be going to make it. Like I said, J.J. must have something going on. But, Stephen, do you have any thoughts on Ron Devine and BK Racing on how this deal may or may not turn out? Uh, I didn't put you on the spot, did no, you didn't put me on the spot. I um, I'm just not sure. There's a long way to go in this. Um, you know, there's accusations being thrown around from different sides. Uh, I, you know, it's a, it's a part of racing. We've seen this before in racing. It's not it's not like it's something new. Um, and I think just you know, as this thing works through the process. Um, We'll just have to see where they lead out to. Right now, um, it's hard to say where it will go. I know that there's been some rumors that, you know, the team will be put up for sale um, here in the next couple of weeks or is at least asking to be put up for sale. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't I, I don't have a question. Neither do you. You know, we're coming up here. uh let you know I actually scheduled the show for an hour and a half. I'm going to punch in JJ's number. Let's see if we can call JJ. But to to your point, I mean, you know, I hate it for Ron because Ron's been such a good guy. He's actually put our Pit Stop logo on his cars back when uh, David Reagan and Guido were driving. To let everybody know, Guido was uh, – Matt Benedetto, and he actually, you know, he actually done all that. Well, we worked out a deal, and I said, Ron, I said, you know, 
hey, that ain't that ain't enough. But anyway, he said, Tim, anything to help you and Suzanne and Stephen and them out. I mean, that meant a lot to me too, Stephen. But I've got uh, I've got I got JJ Yelly's number punched in. Let me see if see if we can dial him in like we did Ron. I'm sort of liking his new calling, but we can call and hey, we can call Anne Marie and wake her up, Stephen. No, she's awake. She's uh, she's <laughs> in the other room doing some stuff. All right, let's try this new button out. Let's see if we can get let's see if we can get JJ Yelly driver number twenty three on. Ringing. Just how big a boy is you, JJ? I wonder what his message sounds. Well, it's like it just cut off. Okay, bye bye, JJ. We'll see you at a later date. Stephen, we're coming up here now. Let's go ahead and talk about some racing this weekend at Kentucky Speedway. Uh, we've got all three series up there. The Monster Engine Ascot Cup Series, the Ascot Spinny Series, Alco 300 there, and the trucks. Uh, let everybody know uh, what where they can follow it on the uh, – I know you're going to be covering stuff on social media, but let everybody know if they can follow the TV schedule and radio stuff, bud. You got the floor. On Thursday, Friday, and Saturday this week, starting with the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series out there qualifying at 510 Eastern Time on Thursday, uh, and then racing the Buckle Up Your Truck 225, 150 laps, 225 miles. At 730 out there, PRM will have the uh, radio. Fox Sports 1 will have the TV coverage coming up Friday. Uh, NASCAR camp and uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series qualifying 505 with uh, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series qualifying just after that at 6:40. Then at 8 o'clock, the All Scoot 300 200 laps, 300 miles for them. NBCSN has that all set up. And then Saturday night, 7:30 p.m., Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series racing out there in the Quaker Stakes 400 presented by Walmart. 267 laps, 400.5 miles will make the distance. For another Saturday night race underneath the lights there at Kentucky Speedway. That sounds good, brother. And I don't get hooked on this button. Let me try to call one more person, and then we're going to jump out of here. I'll let you throw out where you can follow you. Everybody can follow you on social media and all that. I'm going to call uh, my sidekick, my crew chief out here at Coos Bell Electric, Mr. Irvin Pate, and uh, he's probably going to kill me in the moment. I just want to see if he answers because he, he's real shy. So just hold on. This is fun. Hello. Is this Aaron? Hello. Yes. Hello. Hey, Aaron, you're in you're in the pit stop with Tim Spain and Stephen Wilson. How you doing tonight, brother? All right. Hey, Aaron, just uh. Just want to get your last thoughts here. Uh, we uh we had JJ Yelly was going to come on and he couldn't make it. We got Ron Devine for just a few minutes. Just to sort of let uh I've got Stephen from FreewayDigest.com. We just got this new button where we can call people. I didn't think you probably going to kill me in the morning, but you are you are alive. Yeah, I will. Uh, 
Yeah, I will. Uh, okay. I know it. But, Aaron, uh, <laughs> Stephen, Stephen might have a question or, or two, but just, just, want to, uh, just want to let you talk about, you know, we we talk about fans at the at the racetrack and uh, how the fans get around as far as walking and getting around. And you drive, you actually drive one of the trams here for Talladega Super Speedway, correct? That is correct. I have. Just let just sort of let everybody just sort of let all of our listeners know, Aaron. It's I mean it's it's a it's a job. You got this massive two point six six mile monster we call Talladega Super Speedway getting a hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty thousand fans in and out of that. How many trips do you make per day for Friday, Saturday and Sunday? And I'm pretty sure Sunday is your is is your busiest day. Just how many trips do you make with that Toyota Tundra with uh with that little cart behind you getting the fans in and out? Yeah, we make several trips. I mean, if we move a lot of people pretty pretty quickly, um, you know, we may we may move uh, probably twenty five, thirty, forty, fifty. Um, according to how you know how we're moving each day, trips, you know, each day. So, but we move move quite a bit, pretty pretty rapidly. We move them, you know, to our start and our stop position and then you know they can enter and, and ride another tram on inside the track you know to where they're going so and double a you also mentioned it's not just one single trailer you sort of pull a tandem trailer correct from uh back and yeah forth. we yeah we have it's, it's a tandem trailer and there's some that's actually three that will be behind the you know the tractor so we load them pretty, you know, load them pretty tight as we can. So try to move all the people we can as quickly as possible, you know, where they're not standing there waiting. But, you know, they got things they want to do and see. So try to get them in there pretty quick. That's awesome, Double A. And I want to, I want to see if Steve, Stephen might have a quick question for you. I put him on the spot while I go with Ron Devine. We call Ron Devine. He was a, he's in a restaurant eating, and I put Stephen on. But Stephen, <laughs> my boss, well, I, I'm not gonna call him boss man. Aaron always says I'm not your boss man. But Stephen, would you like to ask Aaron since we got him on here, and he's gonna, he's gonna kill the hell, he's gonna kill the hell out of me in the morning. Anything you want to ask him about getting these fans in and out? How to the speedway? No, I'm just wondering if somebody can run some electricity to my house and I know how to pay for it. Can can you work a deal out somewhere? Yeah, I wish we could, yeah. <laughs> uh, we could no, make it cheaper. I, 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 I believe we'd, we'd start pretty quickly. Everybody would okay. jump on that deal. So. <laughs> well, we won't let nobody know. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um. Well, all right, hey. We're gonna we're gonna let you jump out of here. We just we got this new button, and Steve and I have been trying it out where we can actually call people. And like I said, I'm sorry right. I put you on the spot, but I wanted to let That's Steve okay. sort of get your take about about how many people that you bring in and out of this 2.66 mile monster here with Calatau Do Series Speedway. But thanks again, That's brother. Right. All right, y'all I'll have a good morning. All right, all right, you too, eh? All right, all right, bye. Aaron Pate there. He's gonna he's gonna kill the hell out of me in the morning. Stephen, I should have never found that button. But anyway, JJ uh, Yelly must have had something come up. But I want to thank uh, I want to thank you, Stephen. I want to thank Marie and Suzanne for answering the phone. Everything that y'all do for SD and helping us out with the pitstopradio.net. And like I said, I want to thank Ron Devine for, for us letting him call him. I want to thank Double A there for letting me talk to him. Name's Aaron Pate. I call him I call him Double A. 
But, uh, Stephen, like you said, you've already thrown out everything as far as the radio schedule and all that's out there. And uh, we've got a big race at Kentucky this weekend. Let everybody know where they can follow you at on social media and your website. My friend, you got the floor. You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com, forward slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. As a TM4, you can follow me at uh, pitch.radio.net. Stephen, Stephen hosts my website, made it for me. Thank you very much, brother. I appreciate that. You can follow me at TD Lyman on Twitter, at pitch.radio on Twitter, and Tim Spain on Facebook. And we're going to say good night from the pit stop. Live from Palo Alto, we'll talk to y'all next Tuesday after the big races. All three all three series will be at Kentucky Speedway this weekend, and we will talk to you next weekend. So uh, Steve and I are going to say see you from Talladega. Here we come, come with me.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.